Yeah, my name is Blaine Hewitt. I'm the youth pastor here. Most of you know me, but I am just so excited to preach today. I believe that God has given me a word um, just for today. And I am just so excited. I believe that God is going to set people free today. I believe God is going to do something great. And um, speaking of youth ministry, I am just so humbled by what God is doing in our youth group and an uprising. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. But it also makes me realize that youth group is just a small part of what the whole church is doing. And what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in all of us is just amazing. And you know what? The best is yet to come for our church. The best is yet to come for this year, for in us, and all those things. The best is yet to come. And I always want to honor Pastor Shane and Mary whenever I preach. Um, we love you guys, and we are just so blessed. Can we get up for them? How awesome is that? I'm just so blessed to have Shane as a leader, and yeah, just somebody that has come alongside me as a young youth pastor, and it just means so much to me. And I know not everybody has the opportunity with that, and just thank you so much. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to preach. Um, yeah, it just means a lot, and... <laughs> Give you a Sunday off is always great, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head into the sermon. We're going to head into the sermon. So, dear Jesus, thank you so much for what you are going to do today. Thank you so much that you, that you are here, God, that you are going to just do something great and grand. I have enough faith to believe that you are going to set somebody free today, God. I have enough faith to believe that you are going to bring salvation today, God, that you would show off. May you speak. And, and not me, God. Would you do something awesome today, God? Would, I believe that every single person in this room is going to get a word from you, that they're going to be filled up with hope and courage and whatever they need this week, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I like to do this when I preach on Sunday nights to the youth. And that is actually to get participation um, from everybody, and it's usually a question. And so my question is, what is your favorite comfort food? What's your favorite comfort food? What do you go to when you just had a long day and you need to sit on the couch and eat something? Like, what, what is your favorite comfort food? And please, when you think about this, do not show off how healthy you are. Like, come on, like it, kale? Like, kale's my favorite comfort food. Get out of here. Like, that's not, kale's not real. Kale is not real. It was created by the devil. Like, come on, like, it's not real. And so, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking. Does anybody know the number one comfort food in the United States? What do people turn to the most when they, yeah? Chocolate. Chocolate? No, actually. Ice cream. Ice cream. I heard pizza. Pizza is number one. Pizza is number one. The number one comfort food in the United States is pizza. That's what we turn to. That's what we turn to. But speaking of, like, something that's not healthy that we turn to is like when I say that, I don't want something that's something that's not good for you, but it feels good to you. It feels good to you. It's not good for you, but it feels good to you. And so some of us, when I think along those same lines of like comfort food and the, we have comfort zones, we have comfort thoughts, we have comfort friends, things that are not good for us, but they feel good to you. So I think about comfort thoughts. So if I get an opportunity to do something, but my immediate thought is, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, is a comfort thought to keep me safe, to keep me safe, or to keep me small. Something that, yes, is not 
good for you, but feels good to you. And all these things that we're talking about, comfort thoughts, comfort foods, comfort zones, they all meet a need. They all meet a need. They meet a need for hunger. They meet a need I meet a need for so many things that we could think of. And the thing that I want to talk about today is that our biggest need is a relationship with Jesus. And he's the only one that can meet all of our needs. And the verse that I want to talk about today, or the thing that we're going to um, kind of go from, is Ecclesiastes 3.11. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Some of you might know this verse. Some of you might not. That's okay. It's like, who reads the book of Ecclesiastes anyway? So, really. Um, he has made... Everything beautiful in its time. He also, he, has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end. So, the thing that I want to talk about, or the thing that we're starting off with, is also he has put eternity into man's heart. He has put eternity into man's heart. And so when I think about this, it is saying that God has created all of us to have a relationship with him, to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, to have a relationship. He has put something in our heart, a gap in our heart, that we need a relationship with him that only he can fill. We all have a need for Jesus. We all have a need for relationship. And the one thing about this is that we all fill our need in different ways. We all fill our need in different ways. Um, I think about my generation, and we all have in, in, in the... We fill our needs sometimes with social media. We put this person or these person on um, that we create ourselves that we get likes, love, and validation, and it's filling the need for a Heavenly Father. And, and it can be as dramatic as a drug addict. A drug addict could be filling a need with something, and it can be self-righteousness. I am good, look at me. I am filling a need somehow. I'm filling this need for a heavenly, with a relationship with God, with something that is not Him. Something that is not Him. We're all filling a need with something. We're all filling a need with something. And often, these needs or I should say these habits or actions that we're all feeling a need with start to make us captive to those things. We start to become captive to our needs. We start to become captive that I need love and validation from people, and so I do things or I say things to get love from these people, and I start to become captive to my need for these things. But God has created each and every single one of us in this room to have a relationship with Him and to experience freedom. And so these needs that we are held captive by are not what God intended. We were supposed to live with free lives in relationship with Him. With relationship with Him. And the one person that I really think about when, um, when I was thinking about these things was Peter. And I feel like I talk about Peter every time I talk at church. I don't know if it's because I, rel like I relate to Peter a lot, or I don't know what it is. But the person that I was really, really thinking about... And the, God, the person that God put me towards was Peter. Was Peter. That Peter had this need. And I, and I believe that we could see Peter's need the very first time that we actually meet Peter in the Bible. That when Peter first met Jesus, we can see what Peter was yearning for and looking for all along. It was actually when Peter was called into this group, this ministry. 
and it was in Luke 5.8 that we find this, is that Jesus blesses Peter abundantly. Jesus blesses Peter abundantly. He was a fisherman, and the nets almost break. And so just like Jesus has blessed all of us, he has blessed Peter. And so this is Peter's response to the blessing. But when Simon, oh my goodness, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So, G- so Peter sees this blessing, and he feels like he doesn't deserve it. He feels like he doesn't deserve it. Now, I don't think that this position is bad. Like, I don't, I don't think that this position is bad. Like, I don't think, I think there should be a little bit of us in us that says, I don't deserve the blessing that God has given me and like grace and stuff. But I feel like Peter was battling with this his whole life, that he didn't deserve to be a part of this discipleship group. He felt like he had to earn it because he didn't do anything to earn the blessing that Jesus had just given him. And so he felt like he had to earn it and deserve it and to show that he was supposed to be a part of this group that Jesus has made. And I'm supposed to be here and all these things. I think of his actions and the things that he said that would have shown this. And and I think about that time that Jesus says, one of you will betray me tonight. And Peter speaks up because he's supposed to be part of this group. And he says, I won't betray you, God. I won't betray you. It won't be me. He's trying to show that he's supposed to be part of of this group. He's supposed to, he's trying to get love and validation and acceptance from people when he's supposed to be getting it from God. And he was battling with it with his, for his whole life or what we, we, we were seeing. And I, and when I talk about this or when I bring this up, I don't want it to trigger anybody. If it does trigger you, um, let's talk about it afterwards. I often say that, say this at youth group, but part of me thinks like that Peter struggled with this because, and this might be taking creative liberty, um, that, but that Peter never had a father. And now, now there's other fathers and mothers that are mentioned in the, the disciples' stories, but we never see a glimpse or hear about Peter's father in the Bible. And so maybe Peter was looking for a male figure to give him the love and validation he always wanted and he always needed and he was trying to earn it from Jesus or from this group and yeah and some of us are in that same boat some of us are in that same boat we're trying to earn everything we're trying to work so hard and we're held captive by our need to be loved and validated and we're working so hard to be accepted by everybody else when we have already been loved and accepted by God Because the crazy thing about Peter is that the thing that he was working so hard for was actually the thing that he always had. He always had it. He always had it. Because we see at the the end of Jesus's, um, in the book of John, is that Peter messes up. Peter screws up. He denies Jesus three times. Most of us know this story, that that Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, the amazing thing is that part of me thinks that this is a self-fulfilling prophecy because he never thought he was supposed to be a part of this group, and so he thought he was going to mess up anyway, and so he just ran back to the thing that he God had called him out of, and he went back to fishing, like some of us do. God has called us out of a life and to live in freedom, and some of us just run right back to the thing because we felt like we always deserved to live in sin anyway. And so Peter gets to this point in his, in his life, 
And I, I know people call this Peter's redemption, Peter called this Peter's restoration, but part of me wants to call this Peter's realization. Because, because Jesus comes to, re, to restore Peter. Jesus dies and is resurrected, and he comes and he walks on the beach where Peter, where Peter was fishing at, and Peter sees him and he swings to him, and they have a bro talk. They have breakfast and they have a bro talk. And so to restore that Peter had denied him three times, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? To restore what Peter had broken. And then, and then Jesus says this to Peter, and I think it's unbelievable. This he said to show by what kind of death, this is not from, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me, follow me. The amazing thing is, is that Peter would have understood that he would have heard this before. Peter would have heard this before. And Peter would have heard it at the beginning of his ministry. And in Matthew 4, 19, it says this. And he said to them, Jesus, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus tells Peter to follow him in the beginning and the end, to show that he always loved and accepted Peter, that he wanted to be a part of this group, and he always had it. He always had the love, he always had the acceptance, he always had the thing that he was searching for all along. All this time, he had it. He had the call, he had it. He was supposed to be a part of this group, and so those feelings that he had, that I'm not supposed to be here, I'm not supposed to be all these things, it was actually something that Jesus had already given him. And so in our lives and in my life is to know that Jesus meets every single need that I have and he's already given me the love and acceptance and all those things that I need. He has set me free from the captivity of my needs. He has set me free from the need of validation from man. And so I am not working, I am not working for freedom. I am not working for love. I am actually working from it. And so I'm working from the love of God. I'm working from the freedom of God. I'm not working for these things. I'm not working for these things. Jesus has already given them to me. And so now my story turns into Jesus has set me free. And now he can set you free too. Just like Peter said it. And it makes me think of when we, when we start to say that captives can be set free. It makes me think of the verses in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus is saying this to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is setting captives free. I want you to know today, and I want to prophesy, I want to encourage you, that it is still the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is still setting captives free. He's still saying good news to the poor. He is still giving sight to the blind. And he's still giving liberty to everybody in this, in this city. And I believe that God wants to set this city upside down with him because of our testimony that Jesus has set us all free. He's still doing it. He's still setting captives free. I can show you 14 kids in our youth group that he's still doing that through. And it's happened this year. And he is still setting captives free. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus wants to set people free. Jesus wants to set people free. 
He wants to do amazing things in and through us because he has satisfied my need for a savior. And so now my need does not turn into I need something, but I need to give this to somebody else. I need to show people that God loves them. I need to show people that God can set people free. That is now my need to do those things. And the amazing thing about this is that it's going to get really messy. And we're going to get into people's lives. We're going to tell them that Jesus loves them. And we might not have all the answers to all these things. But you know what? He sets the people free. He sets the people free. One of my biggest concerns and one of my biggest fears, one of my biggest insecurities is that a kid will walk in on a Sunday night and I will have no idea how to meet his needs. I will have no idea what to tell him, what he's facing or what she is facing. But I want you to know that my job is not to point to me and my gifts and my ability. It is only to point them to Jesus. And so it does not matter what they're facing. It does not matter what they've done. It does not matter any of those things. It's simply that Jesus can set them free no matter what has happened. He is the one who has the keys. And that's where this sermon name comes from. He's the one that's got the keys. He sets the captives free, and He wants to do it this year. He wants to do it in your family. He wants to do it in your work. He wants to do all of those things this year. And I think the thing is, too, is that sometimes when this is brought up, or when we think about God wants me to proclaim the gospel, God wants me to help people be set free, we often think, I am not good enough, or you think about all of your deficiencies, or you're still thinking, I am still held captive by this need for love and validation for all these people, or the need that we're filling in. But I want you to know that Peter was going through the same thing. And in Galatians 2, 11 through 13, it says this, but when Cephas, that was the other name for Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him, Paul saying this, to his face, because he stood condemned for for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted, acted hypocritely along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by her hypocrisy. So what this is saying, oh, 14. But when I saw that, the conduct was on a step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them. All. If you go through, though, a Jew live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? All that to say is that Peter was eating with Gentiles. And then when the Jews would walk in, he would walk over and eat with the Jews because it was against the law of the Jews to eat with Gentiles. And so he was trying to satisfy everybody. He was looking, still looking for this need and validation when he knew that Jesus had given it to him. But we all need friends like Paul. And we all need people in our lives that can tell us, you know what, that's not who you are. And you don't need those things anymore. You don't need those things anymore. And you know what, Peter then continued to give the gospel to everybody else. And he made waves and shockwaves that are still echoing now. And the gospel is still going forward, and the gospel is still doing amazing things. What I'm trying to say is that even though we mess up, God can still use us greatly. God is still using us greatly. We can still be dealing with things, and God still wants to use us. And he's the one that sets the captives free. I don't, have, I don't hold the keys. I can show somebody that who, who holds the keys. It's not 
my job. It's not my job, it's not on me to set these people free. I simply point them to Jesus because it's like a going together thing. Hey bro, I'm messed up too. You wanna come along and meet, meet, meet with Jesus with me? I really do believe that he just wants to do something great in this house, in this church, in your families, in your work. I believe that he's doing something great and grand, even after 2020, even some of the things in 2021. That God really wants to do something great through our church and your lives and all those things, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year that he's going to set the captives free. He's going to do so many amazing things, and he's the one that's got the keys. And so I pray that he puts a fire in your heart, that he, you would understand that he loves you and he loves everybody else around you and he wants to set all those people free. So I'm going to pray for you and then, yeah. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for me. Thank you so much for what you're going to do in and through us, God. Thank you so much that you are in our midst, that you are the one that still sets the captives free, God, that you are doing amazing and great things, God. Would you, would you just use us, God? Would you set a fire in our hearts, God, that we would need to share the gospel with all those around us? Thank you for meeting our needs. Thank you for meeting the need that I need a Savior. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.